morning, St. Michael's, please stand. Lord, we just thank you so much for your faithfulness, for your love for us. And we come before you this morning lifting up our praises and laying down our burdens at your feet, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
Blessed be God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Blessed be His kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Jesus said, the first commandment is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. As we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Please kneel. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what I have done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I am truly sorry, and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me, that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty and merciful Lord, grant you absolution remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of his Holy Spirit. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy.
Lord be with you. With your spirit. Let us say together the Taleb. Lord, we pray that your grace may always precede and follow us, that we may continually be given to good works through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The army of the Lord is to assemble. Praise me, we'll all praise these children as they go off to burn the things of God. Is that cool? Heavenly Father, we pray and ask your blessing on each and every one of these young people. Yes, Lord. Amen. This morning's first lesson comes from 2 Kings chapter 5, beginning at verse 8. So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let Naaman come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me. And stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, and wave his hand over the place, and heal the leprosy. Are not the Abna and the Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, 
better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his aides, and came and stood before him. And he said, Indeed, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take a gift from your servant. The word of the Lord. This morning's psalm is Psalm 111. Please respond by the half verse. Hallelujah. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. The works of the Lord are great. His work is honorable and glorious. He has made his wonderful works to be remembered. He has given food to those who fear him. He has declared to his people the power of his works. The works of his hands are verity and justice. All his precepts are sure. They stand fast forever and ever. He has sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, it is now, and will be forever. Please be seated. Our second reading this morning is from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, commencing. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is a faithful saying. For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, He also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, 
he cannot deny himself. Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers. Be, dil- be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. This is the word of the Lord. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke. Glory Glory be to thee, O Lord. St. Luke chapter 17, beginning at verse 11. Now it happened as Jesus went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there he met ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when Jesus saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving Jesus thanks. And this man was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to him, Arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ.
Lord, we just lift up today our gratitude for the way that you have ordered our lives. You give us all through your riches and glory. So, Lord, we pray that you would turn our hearts to you in gratitude this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So we took a couple of uh, weeks off from our Exodus series. Uh, we fell, we found the Israelites at the edge of the Red Sea last time we talked, and God split the Red Sea in one of the most iconic, amazing miracles. This glory of God revealed as he not only creates a way for his people to exit the tyranny, the slavery of Egypt, But then the greatest military might in that world is swallowed up in the Red Sea as they chase after the Israelites. And they are truly set free to follow God. And thus they lived happily ever after. We would hope. I am here to warn you this day, that is not how the Israelites' journey goes. After the Red Sea, they have to get to the promised land. This place that God has told them, the desire in their hearts for the true home, the place where they can worship God in peace and in truth. They can be his people and he will be their God. It's only a few weeks away and it takes them 40 years. Have you ever felt like that? You have this vision of where God is leading you. He tells you it's right around the corner. 40 years later. You're looking around saying, God, I thought you said it was near. One thing I want you to take away from this message this morning as we start out is that God's promises for you are near in his timing. (laughs) Whatever that means, they're at hand and they may be 40 years down the road. But the cool thing about this, the great thing about our God is that he never stops showing up for the Israelites. All throughout those 40 years, we have wonderful stories of God providing for them out of their need, out of their difficulty, out of their own stubbornness. God still provides for himself, his people. And he today is going to start that journey. And I mentioned last time that what we're going to learn about in these 40 years is that God wasn't just bringing the Israelites through a desert into a luscious place. But in fact, he was in that process creating in them the people who could live in the promised land as his people. And so as we're going through all of this and you're like, man, why did it have to be so hard for these Israelites? Why couldn't they just get it? Because they had in them internally the slavery that God had set them free from in Egypt. They had mindsets and beliefs about the way that things should be that God had to teach them in order to liberate them from that slavery. Because just like us who were slaves to sin and death, these Israelites again and again doubt that saving God. Again and again they question him, they grumble him, they turn to other gods, and he's constantly through his goodness bringing them back into right relationship with him. So let's get started this morning. I've given you your fair warning, and let's look at how the Israelites respond to their very first test after the Red Sea. We're going to start in Exodus chapter 15, 
and beginning, I think, in verse 22. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it's named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. Now, I'm going to make one quick observation. The very first thing that you need in the desert is water, right? And they're three days out, and they're getting a little anxious. And you know what's worse than not having any water? Coming to a place with water that you can't drink. Bitter water. And so they're angry. But let me just make a quick argument. I think that bitter people tend to find bitter water. And they had something in them that was looking for an opportunity to complain about their situation. And so, yes, they found bitter water. Of course they did. Bitter people tend to find bitter water. But God, in his goodness, provided a way to change not just the water, but his goal, of course, is always to change their heart. And so Moses gets a log and he throws it into the water. And the ancient church fathers tell us that log, what do you think it is? The log that makes the bitter water sweet, it is the cross of Christ. It's a symbol of the salvation that God is always bringing to us, taking the desert and making it into a river, taking uh, the high places and bringing them low, making a way where there is none. That's what he does through the cross. And so Moses makes the water sweet. But this is their first test. And God is using this language all throughout this time. And so the Lord tested them. And maybe you think like, man, that's kind of mean, God. These poor people just went through 400 years of slavery, and now you're testing them? What are you doing? Well, it's not the type of test that we're used to, where you get an exam and you either pass or you fail, and your worth is based on whether you passed or failed. It's very different. It's more like when you're making a sword. I'm a guy. I like swords. I think they're cool. You know, Lord of the Rings, and they got these really cool swords. Well, there's a process you have to go through to change a lump of iron into a beautiful sword, into something that can cut. And what you do basically is you heat it up, you bang on it a lot into the proper shape, and then you cool it down. And then you heat it up, and you bang on it a lot, and then you cool it down. And you go through this process called tempering the steel. And that's how you make it strong enough to do what it's been made to do. And in the same way, the Lord is testing the Israelites. He's providing these opportunities, these hot places, right? He's heating up the steel. They come to a place where they're dying of thirst and the water is bitter. How shall they respond? And then he provides the boon, that that cooling off moment where he provides the way of escape. And this is going to happen throughout. So when you hear God testing the Israelites, it's not like he's walking around with a ruler trying to catch them doing something wrong. He's teaching them. Before they ever did anything for God, he rescued them out of slavery. Not a single one of these Hebrew people were serving Yahweh before he came and rescued them from Egypt. They may have had stories of their fathers and their fathers' fathers, but they weren't worshiping the Lord their God until he brought them out. So he already has declared them worthy of his love by his own extravagant goodness. He's not testing their worthiness. He's teaching them to be the people of God. 
And so as they come to these challenges, let's never, let's never forget the personality of God, the one who by his mighty hand is saving them and shaping them into the people who can enjoy the promised land. So after this bitter water is made sweet, they get a drink, and then they came to Elam. So right around the corner, this is like less than a day's journey from the bitter water. They come to Elam where there's 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees, and they encamp there by the water. Little did they know when they were cursing God because the water was bitter, the next journey would bring them to 12 springs of beautiful water and 70 palm trees of shade. And isn't God good that he puts symbolism in the ways that he rescues his people? Because we're told by the ancient church fathers, the first people who were trying to figure out how Jesus fit into the Old Testament, that this actually represents the 12 disciples of Jesus and the 70 followers of Jesus. That the provision that comes when Christ shows up and saves the day is abundant. And it goes out from this place. So you've got these 12 springs of water representing the apostles and these 70 palm trees representing the 70 that we're told about in the gospel who are providing that, that, that nourishment that the people of God need as they go into the wilderness. There's all sorts of symbolism throughout these stories. And the one thing that I want to remind us is as Christians, when we read the Old Testament, we're always looking for Jesus. Because Jesus told us, all those prophets, and specifically Moses, was writing about me. That's how we look at the Old Testament. So we're finding these symbols of God's provision. He always had a plan to rescue his people and the whole world. And the, the key between Exodus and the Gospels is that the, the, the plan to rescue everyone is actually already there if you read Exodus. And so that's why I'm pulling these things out here. So they set out from Elam, right? They've got this beautiful place, 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees, but it's not a place that you can build a people, and they, it's not the promised land. So they set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. It is almost comical how quickly the Israelites forget God's provision in their life. At every barrier, God overcomes. Like I said, we just left the Red Sea where he literally parted the waves and destroyed the greatest military in the entire world to save his people. But their stomach is starting to tell their brain that God has a problem because they're hungry. How often do our desires unmet start to tell our heart and our brain that God has a problem? Sometimes you need to tell your stomach to shut its mouth and to wait. And trust that God will provide. But you're going to hear this word, this grumbling word, right? That's the word that's kind of the through line for the Israelites throughout this whole story. So I'm just going to highlight that there. Keep, a, keep an ear out for the grumbling. But then listen to what they say. Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. They not only are questioning God's provision, 
But they're actually telling God, you shouldn't have saved us at all. Just let us die in Egypt. I, I, the ungratefulness, it's shocking until you examine your own heart and the ways that we sometimes approach God when things go wrong in our life. God, if you just had left me stay at that job that I hated, that I begged you to get me out of, then I wouldn't have had to deal with this new job that I'm finding reasons to not like. Or if you had not given me this woman. No, I'm just kidding. I can't go there. My wife is too great. But imagine the ways that we complain to God when the littlest things go wrong. And we ask, what? God, why did you let me get here? And he's like, I just worked hard to get you there. I just parted the Red Sea to bring you to this place that you're complaining about. Don't you know God has a plan? But there's a key in this. What are they really saying? In fact, out of this complaint is the status of their heart. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? So what is the status of their heart? They had a preference for the idolatrous sustenance of Egypt over the pure provision of God. They'd rather worship their gods in Egypt who made their bellies full than worship the God who wanted to feed them the true bread of life. That's the symbolic interpretation here. Is that he's going to teach them how to prefer his food, his provision, over what they had in Egypt. It's like when Jesus told the disciples, they're like, Jesus, don't you want some food? And he goes, I have food you don't know about. The true food, which is to do the will of my Father in heaven. That's what God is teaching the Israelites. That there is true food that he has to give them. It's a transformation that Israel needs to go through. They don't just need somebody who shows up with a food truck. They need to start thinking differently about everything. They need to start looking for the true bread that is found only in God. And in fact, don't you know, we learned that the Red Sea represents baptism, right? It's our greatest picture of baptism in the Old Testament. The ark uh, where Noah saves people from the flood, and then the Red Sea. These are our great symbols of baptism. But don't you know, so thinking about this from a symbolic perspective, the Israelites are like new Christians, right? They've just been baptized. Don't you know you can be a great saved Christian and an awful, miserable grumbler at the same time? I know that. And so when we look at these people, it's not coincidental that you can identify with them. It's part of the point. We ourselves often prefer the safety, the security, the pleasure of earthly provision over the places that God's calling us to go. I know I like to sleep better than I like to get up and pray. There are all sorts of ways that we do this in our life on a daily basis. There's a, I had to read this one. This ancient church father, I'm looking at some of the ways that the story's been interpreted, and this is just great, right? He says about these Israelites, since they dared to prefer the bitterest of Egyptian foods to the heavenly food of manna and preferred the succulent meats of their hostile masters to their own freedom, did they deserve anything else than to have their joy and foods curtailed? There's a lot in there, but it's just a beautiful way of him saying, like, because they dared to long for Egypt, do they even deserve the freedom that God's offering? No, he has to train them in order to appreciate the freedom that he has for them. They were saying, I'd rather have a hostile master and a full belly. And God was saying, I'd rather you be free and alive 
under my care and provision. So then the Lord says to Moses, behold, and I love God's response, right? So they're grumbling about how hungry they are. He goes, I'm about to rain bread from heaven on you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare to bring it in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So this is God's response to their grumbling. It's not those wicked people, let me smite them. It's no, tell them that I'm coming with provision. I will rain down bread on them. And how they respond to this provision is part of the test. How do you respond when God shows up in your life? It's part of the test. He's saying they are going to be getting this daily provision. And why do you think it's daily? Because if he gave them more than a day's worth, they would immediately go back to trusting on their own ability to provide. Instead, he's learned, because he's God and he knows us well, I'm just going to give them what they need for the day. So then every day they have to come back and gather up my food, my nourishment. I'd argue it's the same way God provides for us. Because Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. So where are you going to get God's provision for you every day? Or are you comfortable with your bank account and your McDonald's and your everything that makes you so happy and satisfied in this world? We need to cultivate a hunger for the daily provision of God. We may not be in a desert when it comes to food. In fact, we have more than we need. The biggest problem in America right now is obesity, not starvation. Thank the Lord that we can provide food for hungry people. We have an awesome ministry in our St. Michael's Food Pantry every week that provides food for hungry people. If you're hungry for physical food, we will help you. But... We live in a spiritual desert in southern Orange County. That's my argument today. We live in a spiritual desert because every message that we get on our phones, on our TVs, on our music, in our movies, is that you can have all of this without God. You can have sex, money, fame, provision, food, shelter, security. Just do it this way. Don't go to God for that stuff. Open an IRA. Get yourself the spouse that fulfills all of your dreams. The messaging around this stuff is completely bankrupt. It is a desert out there spiritually. So where are you going to get fed? Are you going to get fed by NPR or CNN or Facebook or that group of friends that you follow online or the influencers? No, you can only be fed by God and his word. But people are trying to fill up those voids by going to these other places. And it's no wonder they come up empty. I know it myself. You know what I love to do when I have the time? I love to read fantasy novels. I just counted. I think I read like 50 fantasy novels last year. No problem with that. Unless I'm running to that to fill up my desire for adventure, my desire for friendship, my desire for sustenance. How often did I read my Bible? How many books of the Bible did I read last year? I'm not going to tell you, but no, <laughs> I could do better. I could do better. There's nothing wrong with reading good books. There really isn't. But let's remember to go to him for our daily bread. Amen. All right, let's get through some of this here. So God has told Moses, tell the people that there's going to be 
food coming. And so we keep going. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, at evening you shall know that it was the Lord that brought you out of the land of Egypt. In the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? And Moses said, when the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling, that you grumble against him, what are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but the Lord. I really like that paragraph. I was trying to decide which scriptures I was going to read. But this one just really shows the place that Moses is in. He's like, why are you guys complaining? It's not my fault. You're following God. Stop coming to me. Now, part of that, I think, is that he's frustrated because he just led these Israelites out of slavery and he sees the way that they are responding to this test. But part of it is actually completely correct. Don't you know that every time you complain about your life, you're not just complaining about your boss, you're complaining about the Lord because he is the one that makes your path straight. He is the one that guides your steps. He is the one that provides for you. So every time you find yourself complaining, what you're really doing is you're losing perspective on who God is and what he has done in your life. In fact, it says, what's the solution to their complaining? When God provides, you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, and you shall see the glory of the Lord. So the solution to complaining is to remember what God has done for you and then to remember who he is, the glory of the Lord. That is what the Israelites are going to learn for 40 years. Remember what God has done for you and open your eyes to see who God really is. So in this little story where we talk about the manna and then God also, on top of that, he's like, I know you guys don't like just living on bread. I'll send quail and they're going to just like land on your camp and you can just eat them. Like God is providing above and beyond what they could have even asked for. And in that little story, we see the encapsulation of the entire wilderness walk. For 40 years, they're going to be learning this lesson in one way or another. Do you have places in your life where you feel like you don't have enough? Do you have places in your life where you feel like God hasn't brought you to the place that you thought he was bringing you? My challenge to you today is to go to the Lord and ask him, God, reveal yourself to me in this moment. Show me your glory and remind me of the ways that you have shown up in my life in the past. I know I have a list of things that I can thank God for, places where I know specifically he showed up. I couldn't have done anything to save myself, but he showed up. Remind yourself of those things and ask him to open your eyes to see his glory. So let's continue as we kind of finish this story here today. Then Moses said to Aaron, say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in a cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard your grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, your God. I don't know, but if I had these Israelites, I would have responded a little differently. They're complaining, they're grumbling against me right after I saved them from this abysmal slavery. And yet God's response is, let me show you how good I am. I want you to taste and see that the Lord is good. And so this is the way that God is responding, even though he knows 
they're grumbling. But he gives them two rules. Number one rule about his provision is you can't take more than you need in a day. You can fill up this much, but don't try and save it till the morning. And he gives them another rule, which is on the sixth day, gather double because I want you to have a Sabbath rest. As Jesus says, the Sabbath wasn't made because the Lord was just wanted you to not do anything in seven days. The Sabbath, the Sabbath was made for you. These two rules for their benefit, and don't you know, they violate both of them immediately. It says that people were stockpiling the bread and trying to save it till morning. And what happens? It turns into worms and it rots because God told them, you're going to have to look to me every day. And then on the sixth day, I'm sure somebody forgot to gather because what are they doing on the Sabbath? They're trying to gather more bread on the Sabbath. And God's like, come on, guys, you got to know. And he even says, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and laws? See, the Lord has given you a Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place and let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. What is God trying to teach us this morning as we look at this story? I'll give you two things to walk away with. I've already said them. I'm just rephrasing them. Number one, go to the Lord every day for your daily bread. If not, you're spiritually starving yourself. And there's no reason. He gives without remorse. He gives abundantly. And secondly, I do think we need to question our addiction to productivity. Every one of us struggles with the desire to do more. What does Nike tell us? Just do it. Go out and do it. All of these messaging, go out and do it. If you need something, go get it. We need to remember the practice of the Sabbath. I'm not here to tell you you need to take one day off a week and you can't do this, that, or the other on that day. You can work that out with God. But if God's providing your needs every day and he wants you to rest from your labors, why don't we trust him? We've already talked about tithing in this church, right? We give 10% of our money to God. Because what we're telling God with that is I trust you with my money. So do you trust him with your time? Probably the most valuable commodity any of us have is our time. Do you trust him with your time? And if not, who are you trusting? If you're working seven days a week and you're just constantly doing stuff, you're just worshiping another God. You're worshiping your own ability to produce, or you're worshiping the job that you're trying to get, or you're worshiping the friends that you're trying to make, or you're worshiping the life you're trying to build. Find a time of rest. Ask God what that means in your life. And find a way to have Sabbath rest. Ultimately, this whole message is not about the stubbornness of the Israelites. It's about the goodness of God. And so today as we walk away, we should question, where are we not trusting God? How can I get to be with God more often on a daily basis? And where do I need to lay down my burdens and trust him who already bore them for us on our Sabbath rest? Amen? Amen.
So it's, it's a great uh, teaching series that you're bringing. I really, really am enjoying it. I hope you people are too. Begin every day <laughs> by opening that communication with the living God. He's trying to have this this uh, dynamic relationship with you. And, and we read these stories, and, and they're, they, they're so distant and far. No, no, no. He's having the same kind of adventure with any of us who want to come along. It's just, it's an exciting life if you want to live it. I believe in one God, the Father Father Almighty, maker maker of heaven and earth, and of all things, visible and invisible, and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made man. He was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again, according to the Scriptures, and ascended into heaven and was seated at the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. And I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead, in the life of the world to come. Amen. Brothers and sisters, we are faithless, God is faithful. Therefore, let us bring our needs and the needs of the whole world before him, whom we can put all our trust in, that the church will manifest the love and forgiveness of God to a lost and faithless world. Lord, in your mercy, that nations will put aside their pride and selfish ambitions and seek peace and reconciliation. Lord, in your mercy, that there will be an end to human trafficking, child abuse, domestic domestic violence, and abortion. Lord, in your mercy, that those who live in despair and hopelessness will experience God's grace in new and different ways and come to know and surrender to the plans he has for them. Lord, in your mercy, that those suffering body in body, soul, or spirit will, like Naaman, be touched and healed by the mercies of God and glorify the Father in their healing. Lord, in your mercy, that we will be good stewards of God's creation and use its resources rightly in service to others. Lord, in your mercy, for our own special intentions. Lord, in your mercy, every gift comes from you. Hear our prayer and give us the grace to have a thankful spirit, like the cleansed leper of the gospel, 
for all the blessings that you bestow upon us daily. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Peace of the Lord be always with you. With your spirit. Turn and greet your neighbor with peace. Forget that uh, we're having a men's retreat, and so we we have stuff we got to get done. One, we need to have you on the list so we know you're coming, so we can plan on how many hatchets to throw. And uh, you, you don't want to miss that. You do not want to miss that. <laughs> have you ever done this, Thomas? I suspect you have, for some reason. <coughs> I've seen it on TV. It looks really cool. But. So see Eric Reed as soon as possible, like yesterday. He needs to know if you're going and if you're bringing people with you. Please check with him today. Just mob him outside as soon as he gets out the door. <coughs> also, we're having Trunk or Treat. Trunk or Treat is going to be in the church parking lot this year. Oh, that boy. is on Monday, the uh, Halloween, October 31st, if you're not familiar with that date. So uh, so come on out, guys, trunk or treat. If you guys haven't done trunk or treat before, you walk around and people have their trunks of their cars open and they give out candy to kids. And that sounds really good, so I'm going to dress up and try and get a lot of candy myself. All right, but we got one really important one. Uh, well, those were both very important. One is the FAM Hunger Walk. We talked about this last week. FAM is a group that supports our food ministry, which, again, we probably get about $10,000 worth of food every week. And we feed, on average, we're feeding about 1,200 to 1,600 people a month now. And... Uh, but they are, they are our lifeline in terms of our supplies. And they're going to have a hunger walk. Hi, Mabel. It says at 2, and it's on Sunday. And so you can could, you could make that a really uh, fun deal that we could just kind of bunch up here afterwards and uh, yeah. walk down there and register and do it. Uh, and it, I'd love if we would uh, take a banner, take our banner with us. A lot of times we're in these parades with our kids, school and things like that. And it's, uh, it's a great uh, opportunity for us to fly our banner and uh, show that we're participating in all the vital things of the city. One of the keys, uh, one of the keys on, on getting ready for this is signing up online. If you go to FAM's website, Family Assistance Ministries website, sign up underneath the St. Michael's team. Uh, there's a lot of churches competing, and uh, boy, we would like to be up there a little bit higher. So if you can get your name on there as soon as possible, 
uh, come with us. It's a fun. It's going to be a fun trip. Uh, uh, it's real simple. We're going to be walking from the community center to the pier, and so it's all downhill, and uh, that works out really well. And then we can Uber back. So uh, but yeah, anyway, yeah. It's uh, we'll take our van down there, so you don't have to walk back. Oh, there you go. Okay. Huh? Sure. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Last minute here. Uh, we just want to throw out a huge thank you to everyone who helped put that amazing feast together. Everyone in the room. And just how this community comes together, it never ceases to amaze me. Thank you so much, Eric, for uh, arranging the bounce house. And a special thank you to our young people for help coordinating that and giving of your time to help all those little kids have fun. Way to crush it, guys. Thanks, Thomas. As we prepare to receive the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist, let us respond to God's word by engaging with him in musical worship and presenting to God our tithes and offerings out of that which God has given to us. Together, through Christ, let us continually offer to God the sacrifice of praise, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name, but do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God.
before we begin our Eucharist, I just wanted to make a comment about the uh, the time we had together last week, and uh, I, I, I think you all recognize it was by far the greatest time we've had together in eons, and it was really because of me. <laughs> now, wait a minute. <laughs> and you. See, something has changed in me and you. You get it, Jeff? And it's the things we're doing. That, that Monday afternoon deal has began creating us in another improved version and dimension. And uh, it just... Uh, it's just overflowing in all areas of our life. But what those are, it's, it's kind of like when a family gets together, you know. We, occasionally, about four times a year, we try to get my family together. And even the, the local son who lives here, it's hard to get him to come over, let alone the people from other states. But this is, this is like that. And there was such an amazing koinea it was such an amazing presence of God, and uh, I was going to shoot a gun off because you guys weren't leaving, and, and I thought we'd never go home, but wasn't that wonderful? And that's that's the new wonderful. That's going to be here all the time now. I just want to tell you how excited, and I want to give the Lord just a... a uh, just a clap offering, Lord. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about that when he was preaching, and he's talking about the people of God and how they deal with God and how he deals with them and when they're happy, when they're not, when they think they had a great time, when they don't think they're getting the first. You know, that's us. That's the people. But it was an amazing time where we were poised to let our hair down, and we just went in with the right attitude. And man, given it shall be given unto you. <laughs> For us down, shaking together, and overflowing. And that was my experience last Sunday, overflowing. We welcome all baptized believers to receive the body and blood of Christ. This is the table of the Lord. It's made ready for those who love him, for those who want to love him even more. Come if you have much faith and come if you have little. Come if you've been here often and come if you haven't been here long. You've tried to follow, you who failed. Come, because it's the Lord invites you. It's his will that those who want him should meet him here at this table. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Father, all-powerful and ever-living God, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through his cross and resurrection, he freed us from sin and death and called us to the glory that's made us a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people set apart. Everywhere we proclaim your mighty works, you call us out of darkness into your own wonderful light. 
And so with all the choir of angels in heaven, we proclaim her glory. And we join in their unending hymn of praise. Let your Holy Spirit come upon these gifts to make them holy, so they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he is given up to death, the death he freely accepted, he took bread and he gave thanks, gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When supper was ended, he took the cup, and again he gave thanks and praise and gave the cup to his disciples and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant, to shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Let us proclaim this mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread, this saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and serve you. May all of us who share in the body and blood of Jesus be brought together in unity by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world and make us grow in love, together with our patriarch Craig and all of the clergy. Remember those who are sick and firm in spirit, soul, or body. We especially remember Susan and Naomi and Sonia and Sandra, Tammy, Denisha, Daniel and Dave and Steve and Donna and Bob, the Judge family, Catherine, and our Marines and sailors at Camp Pendleton, and all those who serve in the armed forces. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and the broken. And as we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Have mercy on us all. Make us worthy to share eternal life with the apostles and the martyrs and all the saints. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ. By him and with him and in him in the unity of the Holy Spirit, 
All honor and glory is yours, Almighty God and Father, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Jesus taught us to call God our Father, and we have courage as we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Christ, our Passover, sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Hallelujah. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. The Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us thy peace. The gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on them in your heart with thanksgiving. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb, the body of Christ.
Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you. 
with gladness and singleness of heart, through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in the battle and be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O heavenly host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander through the soul, through the world, seeking the ruin of our souls. As you go from this place, remember, God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world to himself and not counting men's sins against them. And he loves us. He's forgiven us. He's not mad at us. And he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And the blessings of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you. Remain with you always. Amen. Speed of God.